Good afternoon, everyone, again. Praise the Lord. You are in the hour of power. And that is with the House of Faith Club right here. My name is Pastor Yato, and my wife Ebon is there with me today. And we have you know, some wonderful uh, people on stage with us, also people in the audience. I was going to say, and started to say, at any point in time, if you're in the audience and want to join in the conversation, uh, just raise your hand. We'll bring you to the stage. And also, you may have a prayer need, uh, perhaps towards the end when we uh, do the, uh, the prayer segment. You may also come up uh, to the stage at that time. The Hour of Power. Today's topic is power with God. My goodness. You know, so let's get right into it. You know, there there are so many different ways that we can have power with God and demonstrate that power. Today I want to read some examples in the Bible, some stories, and see some people that showed tremendous power with God. Now, we all know that God is almighty and is all powerful, you know, but the access that we have to God and to his power, he says, look, according to the power that walketh in us, you know, so God is able, everybody, a lot of people quote that scripture, God is able to do exceeding great and abundantly above all that we think. Or even ask, you know, but something that we forget to quote is the rest of that. You know, so the rest of that says that it is according to the power that worketh in us. So this is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. When I hear most people quote this verse, they stop at God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Well, that's not the end of the verse. It says, according to the power that worketh in us. So, you know, you can't, God, you know, it's, it's going to be hard, you know, for God to do anything through you that's beyond the scope of, and the horizon of the power that's working in you. You know, so let's break it down and let's dig into that. We're going to look at some examples. Genesis 32. There was a man that wielded tremendous power with God. He did it through prayer. And, you know, like I said, there's many ways that people can do this. You know, this man's name was called Jacob. He was there and he wrestled with God. Jacob, Genesis 20, 32, verses 24 through about 31. You know, and when he, uh, while he was there and he wrestled with God, Initially, 
you know, it looks like he wasn't going to get what he wanted, but he wasn't going to let go. He was not going to let go. And at the end of the day, you know, he prevailed in that wrestle. And here's what it says in verse 28. Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. You know, so as a declaration from the angel of the Lord that tells this man point blank that he is a man that has power with God. You know, I mean, can you wrestle with God in prayer and prevail? That's one question for us today. The beautiful thing about God, when you get in a wrestle with God like that, God actually wants you to win. <laughs> you know, God will give you the grace to wrestle with him and to prevail. So that's what we want to look at today. The kind of power that we can have with God. So I'm going to be looking, I'm going to be talking about various aspects. This one is in prayer. I'll also be talking about, you know, using our faith directly, point blank, by exercising the word of God. You know, so, as we go through this, let's consider this question. Can you have this kind of power with God? Or do you have this kind of power with God? So that was Jacob. And we heard the testimony you know, of what the Lord uh, said to him. You know, and he said in verse 30, he said, uh, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel because he said, I have seen God face to face. So he actually wrestled with God. And my life is preserved. And God said, this man has tremendous power. So here's another question for us. Are you willing to go the distance with God in prayer? Now, this man, he went the distance. He wouldn't let him lose. He said, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he went all night long. You know. All night long. Are you willing or are you able to prevail with God like that in prayer? Now, here's something Jesus said. Matthew 11 and verse 12. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent are taking it by force. Now, there's many interpretations to that. You can interpret that any which way you want, but it says exactly what it says. Do we have the kind of power like that scripture says? Can you express the power of God through you in such a way that even God will say you are a prince with God that has power with God? 
Luke chapter 22. Here is Jesus himself. You know, this is another way you know, to get that power in travailing prayer. Jesus himself in Luke 22 verses 41 through about 44. Jesus is praying here and he's getting into that prayer so much he's traveling in prayer until sweat of blood is coming out of his brows. Now that's some kind of prayer. Can you pray like that? Until blood starts to come out of your forehead as sweat? Now that was some kind of prayer. And Jesus was going for the gold. You can call it that. You know, he said himself, he said, look, the kingdom of God is like treasure that a man found in a field. And, you know, he went, sold everything he, he, he had and went and purchased that field. So Jesus was going for that treasure, which is you and me. And there was a lot of battle that he had to go through to win it. And he did it. And that's the reason we're here today. So praise God for that. But it cost him a lot. Cost him everything he had at the time. And even in his prayer life, in this one place, we saw that he was agonizing in prayer until blood was coming out of his forehead. But he got the result that he wanted. Now, to have this kind of, you know, prevailing power with God, we must be willing to travail in prayer without turning loose. And now here are some other prerequisites that God gives us. In the book of Psalms 15 and verse 1 to about verse 3, the psalmist asks some very critical questions here. So let's take a look at it real quickly. You know, how do we, how do we ascend into the presence of God? You know, what are the qualifications? You know, what, what, what is it that we got to do uh, or got to have? Well, who is able to abide in thy tabernacle and who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Well, he that walketh uprightly and walketh righteousness and so on. You know, now righteousness is right standing with God. Now, righteousness is not what people think today at all. <laughs> you know, righteousness is the right standing with God. Now, God is the one that holds the scorecard. And so he is the one, you know, that knows and holds, you know, that score for everyone. You know, he said concerning Job to the devil, have you seen my servant Job and have you considered him that there is no one like him? Well, Job didn't know that that was God's report card about him. Until God said so. Well, you know, uh, the way that people, God looks at people, different than people look at others or even themselves. The Bible says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But to walk righteously or righteousness and to walk uprightly with God as far as God determines it to be so, is critical for us to have that kind of power with God. Psalms 24. We look at 
a couple of verses there. Verses 3 to about 6. He says, well, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? How can you stand in his holy place, in his holy presence? Well, you got to have clean hands. You got to have a pure heart. You know, you don't lift up your soul to vanity and all these things, you know. Now, he says, such a person will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Well, righteousness, that's the stamp of approval from God. He's the one that has that scorecard. Now, let's look at a couple of other people that had power with God, not necessarily through prayer, but through using their faith and believing God. That's right. And I'm going to come back. Actually, let me do, let me do this prayer one, two, first before I go back to this. Here's another prayer person with God that had tremendous power through prayer. You know, because he knew how to work the praises of God. This was David. He knew how to work that praise. And if you know how to work that praise, <laughs> if you know how to do it just right, you know, God will stand up on your behalf. You know, praise is something that actually really gets God going. And David, he knew how to do it. In Second Samuel chapter 22, there is a power-packed prayer and we see the results of it that David made. You can read the first 25 verses. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to, you know, paraphrase it and reference a few of them because the text is long. You know, so let's just take a look at just a few of the uh, verses. In this text, David is distressed. There are many times that he was distressed by many things. And he's praying you know, but, you know, he has tremendous power with God through his prayer. His prayer is actually able to make God do some tremendous things. You know, listen to what he said. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried. And <laughs> that's a kind of travailing prayer. I cried to my God and he did hear my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter into his ears well well how do we know that that happened well look at god's response <laughs> you know and my question is can your prayer make god do this or do something like this this man prayed and when he did the earth shook and trembled the foundations <coughs> excuse me of heaven moved and shook because God was wrath. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, fire out of his mouth, devoured and coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and he came down. Can your prayer make God do this? David's prayer did. You know, he rode upon a cherub. He did fly. He was seen on the wings of the wind. My goodness. I mean, if somebody can have this kind of clout with God, they can pray, they can speak with God and make God do things like this. I mean, God rolled up his sleeves, <laughs> flexed his arms when David prayed. You know, my goodness. Just visualize it yourself. You know, through the brightness that was before him, even coals of fire were kindled. 
This was all because David was praying. But David's kind of prayer wasn't just some prayer. David knew how to make the praises of God glorious. He knew how to say the Lord is my salvation. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my buckler. He is my high tower. He knew how to exalt the name of God. And when you call God out like that, he's going to stand up. He's going to roll up his sleeves. The Bible says, Sam said it himself. He said, the arm of the Lord has gotten him the victory. It's kind of like God flexes his arms when you call him out like that. You know, and David, he sure knew how to do it. I mean, his prayer moved heaven and earth. Some people, I've heard people say that, well, you know, move heaven and earth in order to accomplish something. Well, this is how you do it. <laughs> this is how you do it. You know, you can't move heaven and earth, but your prayer can. And if you have the right kind of righteous standing with God, if you know how to get God's praises just right, well, you can't have any of those little foxes that spoil the vine, right? You can't have bitterness. You can't, you gotta have a clean heart. You can't have all these things on your hands like we've read in Psalm 15 and 24. But, you know, when you get all those things out of the way, when you get the un unforgiveness and get all this unbelief, you get all these things out of the way, and you really know how to walk his praise, then you can really see some tremendous things happen through your prayer. That's power with God. Let's take a look at some other people that used their faith to command tremendous results. And they showed tremendous power with God. Joshua was one such person. You know, in the book of Joshua, chapter 10, we see in verse 12, I mean, he wasn't exactly praying here. You know, he was speaking it out. Then spake Joshua to the Lord. See, but he was speaking to the Lord, which you might say is a kind of prayer, but he was actually commanding the works of God's hands, just like the scripture says in Isaiah 45, you know, concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. And so Joshua spoke to the Lord, right, before the children of Israel, in the sight of all Israel. He wasn't doing it in some corner. He was in the sight of all Israel. And he said, son, S-U-N, Stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now, prior to this, nobody ever heard that it was done. So these are some trailblazers, you know. It, it, but it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. With God, you know, people say, you know, oh, it's never been done before. Well, that's because you either haven't heard about it or somebody hasn't stepped up. Because you haven't heard about it or it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done. If you can step up, because God's power is unlimited. And he's waiting for people to step in and use that power to his glory. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves. Now Joshua, he needed a little more sunlight. You know, they were fighting the battle, but it was getting dark. And Joshua said, no, we're not done here, <laughs> you know. We're not done. I need a few more hours of the sun. I need this thing, you know. The sun needs to stay in place. The moon, you know, everything needs to stay in place for me to do this. 
my goodness. And, uh, wow. And listen to what he says. The sun stood still, the moon stayed, until all the people that avenged their enemies. And he says in verse uh, 14, And there was not a day like this, before or after it, that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. <laughs> you know, so that was tremendous power with God, that you can do things like that, you know, without even being taught, without being told that it was possible, but knowing in the heat of the battle that that's something that you needed and able to wield your faith like that, that's tremendous power we got. There's another man that had tremendous power we got. First Kings chapter 18, the story of Elijah. We've heard of the fire that came and showed down on Mount Carmel. Well, so Elijah got all the prophets of the groove and the prophets of Baal together and taunted them and said, well, call upon the name of your gods. You know, so they did from the morning till night, cut themselves up, prophesied all day, blood brushing out and so forth. There was no voice, neither hearing, nothing happened. So Elijah taunted them some more and said, look, maybe he's asleep. You know, why don't you just call a little longer? I mean, he's a God after all. Shout some more. Well, after several hours of them doing that, they couldn't accomplish anything. Elijah now walked up to the people and said, come near. Because he had asked the people, he said, look, if bow, be bow." You serve him. If God be God, you serve him. But we're going to prove it today. So give us two bullocks to dress it. Let these people dress their own bullock. Let them call upon the name of their gods. And if he send fire, we'll know that they, that's God. And then I will call upon the name of my God. But before he called upon the name of his God, this is where you see tremendous power. He asked the people, of course, he restored repaired, you know, the altar. He brought the 12 stones and everything. and then, But then he asked people to dig a trench around the sacrifice. And he asked them to pour, you know, I mean, pour water in it. And he asked them to do it three times. Fill up the thing. Fill up water everywhere until the whole thing is overflowing. Now, water and fire don't go together. So this is tremendous faith and power. He's going to show that this fire is not just going to just burn anyhow. The fire is going to even lick up the water. Oh my goodness. You know, so this man, tremendous power with God. I'm sure you all know this story. And when he called upon the name of the Lord, the fire came down from heaven. So the reference for that chapter is First Kings 18 verses 31 through about 40. Of course, the whole chapter tells you all that story, but I'm not going to read it because it's long. So, but you can, you know, you can read it. It's a, it's a very good reading. You can read it at your own convenience and see how this man demonstrated tremendous power we got. You know, so when Elijah took the 12 stones, I'll just read this part. According to the number of the tribes and the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, he built the stones in the name of the Lord 
and he made a trench about the altar, as great as it would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, put the bullock in pieces, cut it up, and laid it on the wood, and told them, fill four barrels with water. They did. Pour it in. And then told them, do it the second time. They did. So do it the third time. They did. And when the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water, you know, then he came and spoke and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am your servant. <laughs> My goodness. And if I have done all these things at thy word, hear me, Lord, I pray that the people may know that you have turned their hearts this day back to you. And the fire of the Lord came down. Well, we don't know that, you know, Elijah had seen anybody do that before, but he was another trailblazer. And he knows that, you know, he can do this. You know, it was a short. And he wasn't even, he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't any way at all unsure of what he was about to do. Not only was he going to get the fire on the sacrifice, he had them, you know, soak the thing with water all over just to show them <laughs> that this fire that's coming, you know, is from God. The fire came and he said, you know, it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the train. Now that's some power. And when people saw that, they fell down on their faces and said, Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now, when, when things like that would happen, God does it to reveal his glory and to get a renown for himself. And especially when we do it to bring glory to his name like that, <laughs> you know, God rises up to the occasion. But here's some question I want to ask us again. This is God asking Job some questions. And we're going to find out in this story where God is asking Job in Job 38, asking him some questions about whether Job can do these things. Well, we don't know that whether Job could do them or not, but I can tell you that the fact that God is asking that whether he can do these things, it means that you can do these things. So let me read it to you. He said in verse 21 of verse uh, Job 38, Canst thou bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades or lose the bands of Orion? <laughs> well, you know, that's that will be tremendous power with God. If you can speak to the heavens and make, you know, decree in the heavens that will influence what's going on on earth. That's tremendous power. Can you bring forth Maseroth in his season? Can that God act with his songs? You know, and I love this part. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? The answer is yes. If you know how to be in right standing with God, and if you know how to walk the praises of God, and know how to use his word. Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me. And he turned around and gave the same to his disciples. He said, as my father has sent me, 
even so send I you. You know, so he gave us the power. You know, that we can have, we can understand the dominion of heaven. Well, nothing happens in the natural unless it happens in the spiritual. People don't understand that, but that's, that's how it does. But if you, if you can understand the ordinances of heaven, and you can set their influence and their dominion upon the earth, that's tremendous power. You know, and I say to you today that yes, we can. Yes, we can understand the ordinances of heaven. Yes, we can set the dominion thereof in the earth. I have been teaching about that in my other room called Walking with God. You know, can thou lift up thy voice to the clouds and cause abundance of waters to cover thee? Absolutely. You can command the clouds if you have faith and they can, the waters can come down. That's power with God. And God begins to ask him all these other things. Can you even send out lightnings? <laughs> that they may go and answer you. I mean, can you send lightnings on an errand? Yes, you can. You understand the place that they have in the word of God. Power we got. Tremendous power we got. And let me bring out another dimension of this. There is another way that we can also exercise power we got by going beyond traditions and the things that hold people back. In the lessons that I was teaching under walking with God, I talked about things that were holding people back. So here's a story in Matthew chapter 12. And the same story is also in um, Mark chapter 2. And in this story, Jesus is going to talk about, in Matthew chapter 12, it's, a, it's in verses 3 and 4. In Mark chapter 2, they're going to ask Jesus, you know, that, I mean, they're going to challenge Jesus. You know, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees, especially the Pharisees, they didn't care about anything other than, you know, the their rigid laws. You know, and even if somebody was sick, they had no empathy, they didn't care, they couldn't care less about that. All they wanted to know was, look, you can't do these things on the Sabbath day. You know, that's all they cared about. You know, so, but Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't care about any of those, those stuff. You know, so, when they asked him questions, why do your servants do this? Why do they uh, do that? Which, you know, because what happened was, on that Sabbath day, of course, Jesus did a few things. He healed somebody, they didn't like that. His disciples went through the fields of the corn, plucked and began to eat. They didn't like that. Jesus didn't tell them to not do it. So Pharisees came and challenged them and said, Look, why do you guys do on the Sabbath day things like this? Which you know is not lawful. And look at, look at the answer that Jesus would give. And I always, I just love the way that Jesus used to answer the people. You know, let me read this out of Mark chapter 2, verse 25. And Jesus was going to give a testimony about David. Now, I'm going to bring out a, a viewpoint here. Jesus said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and he was hungry? He and they that were with him, have you never read that? I mean, Jesus is now quoting, you know, the stories that have been told. Them. 
You see, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the priest, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them that were with him. Have you never read that? <laughs> you know, and when David went in there, the priest said to him, you know, I don't have anything to give you here, you know, except the showbread, which is holy bread. <laughs> and David said, you know, holy bread? He said, the bread is common bread. Give it to me already. Now, that's some tremendous power we got. David would not be denied. He was not going to be kept back by all these partitions of only the priest can do this, only the Levite can do that, only this and that. He pierced the veil. Now, that's some tremendous power. He pierced the veil. Now, God didn't strike him down either. <laughs> because, you know, this man knew some things that others did not know. He pierced the veil. Give me the bread. Because it is even common bread. <laughs> you know, don't call it holy bread. It's common bread. And he took the bread. He not only ate it. Now, this was not lawful for anybody. To eat other than the priests. David was not, you know, numbered among the priests. He not only took the bread, he ate it, and he covered the people that were with him. <laughs> he gave them the bread as well. And God didn't strike any one of them down, you know. And so Jesus is here testifying about what David did in an arena where they said this was not lawful. And so Jesus is telling you, look, it's not about this law, don't do this, don't do that, and so forth. If you have power with God, you can pierce the veil. And you can go beyond even your time. We said yesterday when we were talking about, uh, you know, in this room, how power, we're talking about something else. I, you know, I, I, I think I talked about the Syrophoenician woman that came <clears throat> and Jesus said, no, it's not for you, you know. It's not time. I'm not called and I'm not sent but for the house of Israel. You're not the house of Israel. You know, you're a Greek. You know, I can't give it to dogs. It's for the children. But this woman, she pierced the veil of time. She would not be denied. Whether it's for Jews or Greeks, I don't care. When the crumbs fall down, I'm going to eat of that. And Jesus said, my goodness, this is some power and some faith. Now, so, and the Lord, when he gave his testimony of David, he's telling us that, look, don't let all these laws and traditions of men hold you back. See what God did in the days of David. David was a man that believed God. <laughs> you know, he didn't, he wasn't going to be held back by, you can't go in there. You can't eat that stuff. <laughs> that was not going to hold him back. You know, of course, David was a man that spent a lot of time with God. And he knew certain things. And he knew that the mercies of David, that's the mercies of God upon David's line, was upon him. And he understood things, you know. Now some people don't understand these things. They don't want to put their hand, you try to, you know, help the, uh, the cart that's carrying the ark, and you, you don't understand these things, then you might get stricken down. But not David. Oh no. David, he would pierce the veil. He had power with God. Now, let's begin to bring these things round to our lives. 
if David had this kind of power with God, and, you know, and he knew how to perfect God's praise, maybe that's something we got to practice. Practice the praises of God. Because that's what really gets God moving. You know, we touched on the story of Jehoshaphat briefly the other day when he was outnumbered, but he used praises. He appointed singers and those that knew how to praise the beauty of holiness. And he put them in front of the battle, in front of those who were skilled military people. And it was the praises that got God going. In the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were in there, in the jail. At midnight, they began to sing praises to the Lord so loud that everybody heard them. <laughs> the praises of God got into the ears of the Lord and the angels of God, and they began to move in swiftly, busted them out of jail. Hallelujah. You know, when you have confidence in God and power with God, and you know that God already gave us the same, he has given us the ability to do these things. The reason we can't do these things most times is because we doubt. Jesus said to Peter, come on now. He said, can I come? And Jesus said, come on now. And he stepped up into the water. And then he looked away from Jesus. Could have kept his eyes on Jesus and he would have kept walking. When he looked away from Jesus, he saw the winds were boisterous. The winds were boisterous the whole time. You know. And then he began to sing. I can't walk on water. And then he began to sing. You know. And Jesus said, why did you doubt? You know. So doubt is a thing sometimes that just diminishes the power that we could have with God. Let me read to you Revelation 2.17. And I want you to get ready to share your thoughts. Revelation 2 and 17. Now there are many things that Jesus said in this book of um, Revelation when they told John to write to the churches. You know, there is something about hidden manna. Hidden manna. This is the thing that, you know, you might com compare that in the day of David when he was eating this manna or bread that wasn't for anybody else. Well, you know, and Jesus is talking here about hidden manna. Can you get to that hidden manna even now? Are there some things? That are out there that you can get to or cannot get to. Jesus told them in the parables. He said it's given to you. But it's not given to those people. And a parable. Is designed to present plain truth. But yet hidden. And Jesus did that most times. So when we're talking of hidden manna. There are nuggets in this world. And that's the last part I want to bring out here. There are nuggets in this word of God. It's like hidden manna. Well, why is it really hidden? It's not really 
hidden, hidden. It's just because people are not going to take that extra step of digging to find the answers. After Jesus would give the parables, he would just leave it like that. But when the disciples would come and say, tell us, what do these things mean? Then he would reveal it to them. So, there is really nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. There's nothing hid that shall not be made known. So whether it is written, I mean, whether it is, appears to be hidden in the word of God, it's only hidden for those to whom it is not appointed. And it's only hidden until you come to seek the Lord for it. And <laughs> that's right. The Lord will not hide or, you know, prevent or hold back. He will not withhold any good thing from any of his own. And if there's anything in the scriptures, any promise, any word, any, you know, demonstration of power that we can latch onto, we should never think it's beyond us. All we got to do, exercise faith. And what is faith? Well, the Bible says that faith is a substance. It's not abstract. It's a substance of things hoped for. The evidence. Things we haven't seen yet. You know, so by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Are you obtaining a good report? Can you show that you have this kind of power with God? Find any promise in the word of God. Make it happen for you. That's power with God. Now, if you say it, you must not doubt it. But you must believe it. Jesus said that in Mark 11, verses 23 to 24. You know, he said, look, if you can say it, not exactly pray now, you say to the mountain, be thou removed. Now that's some power. <laughs> you know, if you can do that and you cannot doubt it in your heart, but you believe that what you said will come to pass. Jesus said, it'll come to pass. Hallelujah. So, that's another way to have real power with God, is to take the word of God as is and use it. Now, I'm going to pray over the room, and I'm going to open it up for comments and discussion. Father, I thank you for this hour of power. And as we are looking into how to use and demonstrate and express this power we got, I ask, Lord, that you help us to engage you in the spirit in understanding this message and how we can have real power we got and how we can demonstrate it in every, in our everyday life. Because you've already given us that power. You've given us and it is your will that we should have. It's a little flock. Fear not. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To make sure that you have dominion in the kingdom. So Lord, we thank you. And we give you all the praise. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, this is Pastor Yaro bringing you the hour of power in this hour.